from the north and welcome to our forum election special where we will hands-on examine what election fraud is going on in the u.s right now as the world stands at the precipice and a new figurehead for the oligarchs war machine is chosen which will affect us all we ask is it election or selection that tips the scale How rigged is the voting, anyway? To enlighten us on the matter, we are joined by a giant in the field, Dr. Robert J. Fitrakis, who is a distinguished full professor of political science with a CV too long for this introduction. But we will eventually put out all the relevant details on his guest's presentation page at our website. For now, the following highlights will have to do. Dr. Fitrakis is a lawyer, author and democracy activist, an award-winning scholar, was a Ford Foundation Fellow, is a past president of the Columbus State Educational Association and of the Columbus State Faculty Senate, former chair of the Instructional Support Council of Shared Governance, was the faculty advisor to the Ohio Board of Regents, is Ohio Chancellor and former national vice-chancellor of the International Association of Educators for World Peace, has served on the School Advisory Board for the Columbus Public Schools and worked with High School College Preparation Program. He was admitted to the bar in 03 and has taken and won many cases uh, concerning the protection of civil rights, free speech and environmentalism. Among others, he has served as the attorney for the Columbus NAACP Reverend Jesse Jackson, Congresswoman Cynthia McKinney, the Green Party, the Ohio Rights Group, Columbus Film Festival, the Neighborhood Network, and Columbus Institute for Contemporary Journalism. And of course, he has been arrested for civil disobedience. As for media, he has done countless TV, radio, and podcast appearances. Hosts, the radio talk show Fight Back, is a columnist, a multiple award-winning investigative reporter and publisher and editor of the journal The Free Press. He's also executive director of the Columbus Institute for Contemporary Journalism, and has been published in dozens of newspapers and journals. His social and political career is extensive, having been a leading member in several parties and movements, and a frequent speaker on labor and social policy issues at national academic and political conferences. He's written extensively and made presentations on political theory, electoral politics, and public policy. He has served as a commissioner for the city of Columbus, is currently the co-chair of the Ohio Green Party, and a member of the Green Shadow Cabinet as the Federal Elections Commissioner. Indeed, since 93, he has been engaged in voting controversies and has contributed to documenting extensive election fraud in America. He called the first public hearings on voter suppression and election irregularities 
and was one of four attorneys to file a challenge to Ohio's presidential elections result. He has served as an international observer for the national elections in El Salvador and Mexico as part of a human rights delegation to investigate conditions and subsequently co-wrote and edited the election report for the United Nations. In December 04, Fitrakis testified before the Judiciary Committee of Congress in both the D.C. and Columbus, where his investigations and hearings resulted in the Conyers report. In 05, he testified at the election assessment hearings in Texas, which became part of the Carter-Baker Commission report on federal election reform. He spoke to the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. on election issues, worked on election reform with Congress, and has also briefed the Congressional Progressive Caucus as well as the Congressional Black Caucus and the Senate leadership, among else John Kerry. In 06, Dr. Fitrakis was co-counsel in the lawsuit against the Ohio Secretary of State, seeking to end discriminatory electoral practices and to ensure free and fair elections. He authored a 50-point consent decree to ensure election integrity. He is the author of many books, including several on election fraud. Finally, Bob Fitrakis is currently running for prosecutor, and if he wins, we will see a fearless, incorrupt prosecutor taking on the power elite. Welcome to the show, uh, Bob. Uh, Glad to be on the show, Al. Such an honor to have you with us. Now, I'll ask you several questions about election and election fraud. And at the end, I'd like us to just quickly go over what books you have. And I just discovered that you're running for uh, what prosecutor, is that it? Yeah, county prosecutor in the capital of Ohio. Right. Which means I I would be in charge of enforcing election fraud and laws. Wow. Okay, we have to talk about that too. Uh, half our listeners are American, and I also know we have listeners in Ohio. So let's uh, let's talk about that too at the end here. Okay. Now I've been keeping an eye on on the shenanigans going on over in America, like the rest of the world has done. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are very shocked and horrified to see that. I'm I'm not so shocked to see how much of uh, rigging is going on, but I'm pretty horrified to see how little press it gets. And so, uh, Bob, we had to invite you on in our new series where we're going to explore these different matters. Uh, We're going to have on uh, a woman called Bev Harris of Black Box Voting. I don't know if you've heard about her. Oh, she's the uh, the, uh, godmother of the whole movement. (laughs) Ah, right. Nice. Yeah, she's uh, she's the most famous of uh, uh, of the election integrity activists. Nice. So I'm happy you know who she is. But you've been uh, very active in the uh, alternative press and, and somewhat in the mainstream press lately, too. So I want to start us, uh, and we're pressed for time. This will be a short program. So I want to discuss with you the different forms of election rigging that takes place, because... Uh, the, what people need to know 
is that it's just not one thing that's going on, but it's different things depending on the place and the circumstance, etc. So, Bob, let's start with the, the let's start with the obvious uh, manipulation that they do, okay. uh, and this is what mainstream media will talk about. They will talk about two things. They will either talk about false names, which some people say is not a big problem. And they will talk about gerrymandering and other ways of manipulating the districts. So if, if we can start there, what's the situation there? Well, uh, I'm in uh, Ohio, and um, perhaps many of your readers recognize Ohio as the king swing state, the battleground state that's usually split down the middle. But that being said, if you looked at our congressional delegation, mm-hmm. We have uh, 16 congressmen in Ohio, and the 16 congressmen, uh, 12 of them are Republican, and four of them are Democrats. So it's a very red county. Yeah, in in any fair scheme, you would have eight Democrats and eight Republicans. Right. So the Republicans, because they control the state legislature, have dense-packed all of the Democrats into four urban areas instead of dividing uh, the districts up evenly. Mm. In other words... uh, Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, for those who don't know the system so much, in other words, that would mean that uh, because they will have less areas, they will have problem winning the seat, right? Absolutely. The seats are unwinnable. Mm. Uh, in fact, 90%, 90% of U.S. congressional seats, you know, we know uh, well in advance uh, who's going to win, you know, and who's going to win pretty much for a decade, barring some monumental uh, scandal, is that 90% of our legislative seats in the U.S. Congress are non-competitive. Mm. So that means, uh, so that's, uh, is that why they're always watching the same places? Because uh, (laughs) most places are, most states are already given in advance, or it seems to have been up until now. And so that there's just a few places where there's actually, where the bar can can, uh, turn. Oh, absolutely. There's really about a a dozen battleground states. Mm. Uh, Remember, we have no form of uh, proportional representation. Right. So in 1992, Bill Clinton won 42 percent of the votes in Ohio. George Herbert Walker Bush won 40 percent. Ross Perot won 18. And of course, Clinton got all 21 electoral votes. 42% of the votes, uh, a plurality of the votes, whoever gets one more vote wins 100% of the electors. Wow. And and this is widespread. Uh, This is uh, default. This is intrinsic in the system, isn't it? Uh, Absolutely. And it really doesn't have to be. You could have proportional representation. Mm. Uh, Clinton could have got nine and uh, Bush could have gotten... uh, uh, seven, and the remaining uh, five votes could have went to Ross Perot. But that's not how the system seems to work here, is that they they set it up to create almost a false legitimacy by allowing anyone with one more vote than the other candidate uh, to get every single electoral vote for president. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, this, you, you were just talking one specific example uh, in Ohio, but this is in every state and there's no process trying to fix this um, way of doing it? Uh, no, briefly, there was some uh, discussion following the 2000 uh, election because Al Gore won by more than half a million votes. Yeah. And he lost the Electoral College. So we we're, we have one of the few systems in the world where the loser wins mm. <laughs> yeah. in terms of popular votes. Yeah, but that election, the the loser was actually under Al Gore. Came, came in uh, Mr. Ralph Nader. I wish that was the loser who won. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, but really, I remember the Supreme Court decided in a five to four decision to stop the vote counting in Florida. Yeah. And we know if they had counted every vote, Gore would have won, which is what the exit polls had predicted. Mm. And this was this was actually my awakening to the rigged system in America. Oh, okay. The Bush-Gore uh, election. We all remember. This was, of course, before Internet took off, but... TV was, uh, there was TV station reporting uh, the court cases, the ballots, all that stuff. So so people became aware. And after this, uh, Harris that we talked about uh, was very early on talking about uh, uh, especially the Diebold machine that was involved. But we'll get to them yes. soon enough. I, I just want to discuss a little more the open rigging part. And... Um, you, you said a very important thing here. You said it, it went to court. So, but then again, like many people don't know in Europe, Democrats and Republicans appoint judges who are sympathetic to Democrats or yeah. <laughs> Republicans, which is unheard of in my country. And so even if there's a rigging situation going on and it comes up to court, then it's like, it's like kind of there are people sitting there deciding it, isn't it? Oh, no, a absolutely. Is uh, uh, Roy Cohn, who used to be the senator for the infamous Joseph McCarthy, mm. uh, he was a lawyer, and he used to say, don't tell me the law, tell me the judge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that says everything. And like Stalin is, is known to have said, if that quote indeed stems from Stalin, I don't care. Who votes or who many who votes? I care who count the votes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we have that problem here. Uh, particularly. Yeah, even, even when the judges uh, do it. So. No, absolutely. Yeah. So we have, we have this way they're rigging it with deciding the districts that's going to vote. But you also have uh, another claim in media that they put in names of dead people. And uh, mm. this election, you've seen the Republicans, uh, obviously, since they're in opposition, they are, that's always what they are talking about when they are talking about uh, election fraud. They never talk about the other stuff we're going to get to. But let's take their approach too. Is there anything in that too, that there's rigging of names to get more numbers? Well, m most of the scholarly studies indicate there's very little uh, of that type of voting in person. Mm. That is people showing up, uh, you know, voting somebody who's dead or to some extent voting twice. 
Uh, most of the studies find that that's uh, virtually non-existent, right? Immigrants voting, again, uh, the last thing in the world an immigrant wants to do is to show up yeah. uh, at a place uh, and uh, uh, essentially impersonate somebody else, right? Mm. They're hiding from authorities, right? They want to be left alone. But there, there is an angle. Yeah. Uh, the Pew study found this where there's a, a couple million people in the U.S., so at the margins in an election, where they haven't essentially purged the dead voters' names. Wow. Now, where this becomes more important is we allow private companies, we s contract out the election officials, the private companies to run the database. Amazing. So you now have partisan for-profit companies using secret proprietary software wow. who control these databases. Why they don't automatically purge someone when they die, it's public record. There's a death notice. Mm. These are recorded at the county recorders. Why the state of Ohio or any other state board of election or secretary of state can't sync with the county board of uh, county recorder's office, which keeps track of the dead, is one of the weird mysteries. Right. Uh, it's almost like they don't want to. Mm. And what many of us suspect is you want a few million extra names because, as we say in Ohio, the election's never over till the cyber vote comes in. You know, till the uh, uh, non-existent real vote comes in and. Uh, people that only exist on paper uh, with zeros and one in the digital Ethernet come forward to vote. Okay. I don't think I understood that. What do you mean about cyber votes? Is that it's possible. Uh, it's real difficult for a lot of people to show up in person and vote. But it's very easy to construct cyber voters and vote them over the Internet or vote them by a thumb drive or a flash drive or an algorithm or, or an Easter egg put in the computer machine. Hang on, is that practiced? Can people sit in a home in America and vote from, from home over the internet? No, but the private technicians can. Oh. I mean, they have, many of them have remote access from the parking lot. I see, I see. And then <clears throat> then it's uh, good to have uh, real names, uh, names of real people who won't vote because they're dead or because they can't meet. Yeah. And then they can pretend they have voting. But if that's the case, because you have a very low number of attendants already, how many, approximately how many people are voting in the presidential elections? Oh, a little more than half usually, uh, sometimes uh, close to 60%, depending on the state. But generally, as a rule of thumb, a little more than half the population votes. That's the big turnout election. We just had a, a local election here for uh, the mayor and city council, and 9% of the people voted. Wow. It's, it takes so few people to get people into important uh, responsibility seats. Uh, that means that if you can awaken just a few percent, you can uh, tip the scales in a local election. Uh, absolutely. Huh. But uh, uh, back to the point then, that means that if um, half, about half or a little more than half is re registering as voting, that means in re real numbers it may be lower. It may be, what, 45 uh, percent? 
Perhaps, yeah. The you know, there's there's probably a few percent of votes that uh, could be extra. Okay. But the bigger problem is the votes that people actually vote that never get recorded uh, and overwhelmingly. Yeah, we'll get to the purges. But uh, when it comes to fabricating, because I just saw a report uh, alleging that the Clinton campaign is doing this. I don't know if it's true, but if they are manipulating with dead people and it's only a few percent, that's actually enough because I haven't seen an election yet where it hasn't been a few percents margin of error, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And as long as it's within the margin of error, they can, that can be the thumb that decides uh, the election. Yeah, we call it uh, strip and flip. Right. The, it's always within the key margin of errors because you eliminate the other side's voting base. Yeah. Right? You strip, uh, as they did with Bernie Sanders uh, in the primary in Brooklyn and in California, right? You first eliminate mm. the key hardcore supporters and then you make it close enough to flip the vote. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking uh, the reason, um, I, I mean, I'm, if this is going on organized, then it's very important when uh, an anti-establishment candidate tries to win. It's very important that the numbers are so obviously larger that they can't get off with that. Because if it's a close call, they can get off. But if uh, it's an obvious landslide, then they kind of have to be careful with the uh, manipulations, right? Well, uh, apparently not. You would think that. But what happened in the primary is uh, Sanders in 12 of the 26 primaries the numbers are so outside the margin of error uh, expected in the exit polls is all of these elections would not be validated by the U.S. government. If they had happened in a foreign country, we would not count them as legitimate. Right. But because they happened in the U.S., we count 12 of these primaries, including Arizona, where there was a 37-point deviation. Wow. Uh, 37% uh, difference between how the voters said they voted when they left the polls and the official government tally. Right. Hmm. Well, um, I, I guess a very important part of getting to flip the balance is to control the polls. And I've been reading about uh, how the polls are manipulated. I, I guess you can call it fraud when they don't... Uh, poll a uh, representative selection of, let's say, independents and youths, because I've been following third candidates, uh, as the whole world have been doing. And we've seen how <clears throat> Stein and Johnson has been polled at, let's say, 8 and 4%. Uh, but then I see the, the sources they use. And if you account for having a less representative youth vote and independent vote, the real numbers would actually be 5% and 10% or even higher. So, so uh, would you say this is an organized part of the rigging? Absolutely. The, uh, take, for example, the exit poll people, which we were talking about, which are usually the most accurate polls uh, when, you know, people come out and tell you a representative sample how they're going to vote. They adjust their polls based on whatever the official numbers say, no matter how implausible. 
And thus, then they have to adjust who voted, even if that doesn't reflect the re actual reality of who voted. So I, I first can set up tracking polls as well prior to the election. Uh, what they do is they'll say, let's just look at the likely voters. So if a candidate like Bernie Sanders or even Trump enters into the process, they're bringing in all sorts of new voters. Mm. So what you do is you systematically undercount those voters. You go to a likely voter poll, which is, well, who voted in the last couple elections? Right. So you deliberately undercount the Sanders base, the young college students that are registering the vote in the millions for the first time. And so I've heard about... Um of course, in this election, before we knew about the machines, but we've seen they've been very creative in the way they they stole the election from Sanders because uh, we can start with uh, putting up a very high registration bar. Uh, I know people in America who couldn't vote for Sanders because uh, they weren't eligible to vote. So how do they stop new voter or independents or even Democrats from becoming accepted registered voters? Well, the, for example, I'm, I'm in Ohio right now. The Secretary of State, John Houston, who's a Republican, uh, went to court. He first lost in the district, the federal district court, but he won at the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, where there's more Republican judges than Democrats. Mm. And he won the right to purge people who haven't voted in the last two years wow. or four years. Now, the old standard used to be two elect federal election cycles, and that used to mean eight years, four years for a presidential uh, and a congressional cycle, and then another four years. Mm. Uh, he also won the right uh, if he or some other people send out mail and the mail is returned uh, to him, he can purge you. Mm. So you've got, uh, and he can force other people to vote provisional, and that is a second class ballot. And you have to fill out the ballot with your address as well as uh, the outside cover. So if you write below the line, it says, sign your name. If your name is signed below the line, even though it's signed correctly, they don't count your vote. So they've won a variety of these cases that makes it incredibly easy to purge voters in Ohio and throughout the United States. Right, right. And I, I know also that the Democrats put in... Uh, completely random rules uh, like, uh, oh, you have to register it within... In the primary. Yeah, in the primaries. Because I think the primary is actually starting to become more important than the main election because if it's impossible to break the two-party system uh, in the main election, then the only way to to get an anti-establishment candidate is what was tried this election. Uh, the Republicans managed... Now, you can discuss how much you can stomach the anti-establishment candidate they got in. I wish they got in Paul, Rand Paul, in in, 
lack of his father, Ron Paul. But uh, then the Democrat tried that with Bernie, but they didn't manage. Uh, the. I, I guess <clears throat> it was easier for the Democrats because they had one big establishment candidate that the elite had already decided upon, whereas in the Republican case, the elite played different horses and there was so many that uh, I think an important path to victory for Trump was the fact that the opposition was split to the very, very end. And so um, uh, then they could put in random rules. We we all know this has been also leaked by WikiLeaks and, and Debbie Wasserman Schultz had to go off in shame. But could you s- just say a few words about how they were rigging the primaries in terms of preventing Bernie people from getting their votes counted? Well, there there's numerous ways. Uh, you recall in uh, Brooklyn, uh, they purged 120,000 uh, or so, primarily Bernie voters. They did that. It turned out to be illegally. Mm. Uh, also, if you were going to vote in New York, you had to register, you know, the previous uh, year yeah. in the fall. So you had, uh, you know, this strange rule that says, you know, you had to register in 2015 to vote in the 2016 primary. Yeah. So even if you followed the normal pattern of voting, uh, you know, signing up 30 days ahead of time, uh, your vote wouldn't have been counted uh, in New York because the Democratic Party had its own rule. And uh, in California, you recall, you could sign a piece of paper Mm. saying that uh, you wanted to vote in the Democratic primary, but uh, it was an independent uh, voting in the Democratic primary, but they switched a lot of these people, they claim accidentally, but there was just too many, to NPPs, uh, which is no party preference, right. which means you show up and you can vote on a nonpartisan issue, but you can't vote in any of the two-party or multi-party primaries. Mm. So that was, and they also moved people into the American Independence Party, so you show up thinking you're an independent uh, for Bernie going to vote in the Democratic primary. Suddenly you're in a far right nationalist party. You know, uh, <laughs> that's a real. And, uh, and three people are happy to see you and want you to go out and hunt down immigrants with them. <laughs> the independent party must have been shocked by the huge numbers of uh, support they suddenly got. <laughs> for, for once, the system was rigged in their favor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, record support for the the American Independence Party hit its peak in liberal California. Yes, I predict, actually, people, if you want to create a new party, something tells me you will do a chess move if you call it independent in the name. (laughs) Now, um, I also see that in Arizona, there was a huge uh, rumble because they closed down election boots. And this was uh, becoming apparent as part of the rigging too. What happened there? Well, the uh, in Pima County, which is Phoenix, where most of the people uh, in the state live, they closed down 70%. Uh, there were 200 precincts. Uh, and again, uh, they got rid of 140 of them, causing massively long lines where it was impossible to vote. Mm. And also, 
only are you going to these incredibly long lines, you're not sure where your precinct is because they've shut them all down and shuffled them around. Hmm. Uh, That was a tactic they used here in Ohio in 2004 under the Secretary of State, J. Kenneth Blackwell. Uh, A lot of these things were perfected in Ohio or in Florida in 2000, but really Ohio in 2004. Uh, It's in my book, What Happened in Ohio, as well as in a congressional report from U.S. Congressman John Conyers. What they do is they close down the polling places. For example, in my neighborhood, my polling place was one block from my house. I'd voted there you know, for uh, a couple decades. Mm. Uh, they closed it down before the 04 election. And then they opened up one uh, half a block from my house. But they didn't assign me to that one. And instead, they assigned me more than half a mile away in a totally uh, different street. Mm. So instead of walking a tenth of a mile to your local polling place, you're now, you now have to walk six-tenths of a mile and vote someplace uh, you never voted for. Mm. And then it got worse because operatives from the Bush campaign called you up and sent you to the wrong polling place, where you then had to wait seven hours to be told that you needed to go to the other place to wait another seven hours. Who does this? I mean, (laughs) nobody has the time or motivation. Well, well, that was Carl Rowe. (laughs) Well, we know who came up with the design, but, you know, the the vote itself. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, who would be able to to stand this hassle that they are creating? Very few people. Well, they, they actually... You're right. No, normal people hmm. uh, who have to work. They either have to vote. It's no voting holiday. So you got to vote in the morning before work hmm. or try to squeeze it in at lunch or after work. And the average- What about early voting? You, you have a system that accepts early voting? Uh, it does now, but there's only one early voting site. And there's no, there used to be more. There's one early voting site. And it's usually filled, and they put it in an area with virtually no bus service. Right. So it disproportionately harms people uh, that uh, don't have access to cars and ride public transportation. They put it in one of the worst locations here in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, plus I wouldn't even trust, I mean, if they have uh, the ballots in their care for a number of time, I mean, the more they have the ballots, the worse it is for the, you know, manipulation of them. Yeah, I I don't know if you you have evidence of uh, manipulating early voting results. Well, the the way the early voting is manipulated... um, much of that, uh, much of that is done by the voting of the assisted living, senior care, and elder care. Hmm. Is that uh, the two regular parties, but primarily the Democrats, have access often to social workers who help the people fill out the ballot. I see. <laughs> so, you know, you, you you'll see, you know, uh, 400 votes come in and they're 98 percent Democratic. Hmm. Uh, and they, they're supposed to help the people, but uh, uh, we find that when we offer them the Green Party literature, they don't want it. They don't want to explain it to the uh, senior citizens. 
No, no. And uh, yeah, and they probably, it would take more actually to, they would probably not have heard about you. They don't have access to other sources than mainstream media. So, so that's a very high bar to, to get by. I, I see that. Yes. So that's a subtle way of manipulating it. But we've also read about, I mean, if you've managed to actually track up a place to vote, you pass that filter. And if you actually will get access and, and they say, okay, it's the right place to vote. And if you actually manage to register in time for their completely random deadlines that often is retrospective, <laughs> we saw that in the primary, mm-hmm. that you're there in the boot and you also manage to suffer through all these rigged polls. Now, even if you manage all that, there's still purging going on because I read about voter suppression Literally, where they find dozens of ballots. I guess they call it provisional ballots, ballots that they didn't even bother to count. What's up with that? Well, uh, following the uh, 2000 election, uh, with the obvious vote manipulation to keep Gore out of the presidency, uh, there was a notion a lot of people didn't get to vote. They showed up and they weren't uh, on the uh, uh, voting uh, rolls. Yeah. Uh, so what they did is they created essentially a second class ballot, a affidavit provisional de- ballot, where you show up and say, you know, I should be allowed to vote. I know I registered to vote. Mm. So in a place like uh, Cleveland, Ohio, in 2004, 41% of the people who voted these provisional ballots the ballots were never counted, and many of them were shredded. So you show up to vote, you fill out this ballot, you're feeling really good about yourself, and later you find out that it was shredded. Uh, they don't usually tell you you have 10 days to inquire to the Board of Election. Uh, in fact, we at the Free Press here at our newspaper got the names of all the uncounted ballots and the reasons why. And uh, we sent letters to people and people were shocked, you know, because you've got like 40 percent of them. uh, They thought their vote counted and it didn't. Mm. And it was stuff like, you know, left their zip code off the outer ballot Mm. or sign name under the line or printed or uh, wrote it in cursive instead of printed where it said print. Hmm. So uh, people are absolutely shocked and they're not aware that they can track these ballots. And it's a real easy way to eliminate new voters, new immigrant voters, young voters, uh, elderly voters. Right. But um, that reminds me of another thing I noticed this election. And, and again, this was widespread in the primaries. I noticed that the Election workers, which are, you know, volunteer people who, who want to help in the system, they get deliberately, they get wrong information that they then, I mean, it's new people, no, plenty of people never done it before, but even people who have done it before, they give them wrong information, faulty information, no information. And then when citizens inquire what they're supposed to do, they get that wrong information. And then because of this chain of wrong information or just no information, they end up not passing their random different bureaucratic bars that they set to accept the vote. And so they get an excuse to 
throwaway votes. Isn't that what's going on too? Oh yeah, here in Ohio, there were dozens of counties where reports were that the Green Party wasn't on the ballot. Mm. Campaign workers told uh, the voters who requested a green ballot that there was no Green Party. Uh, and this was one of the states where the Green Party has registered in time, right? Yeah, you know, we're, we're, we've been on the ballot since 2008. Right. Uh, we were kicked off by the Republican legislature, and the courts uh, ruled that to be unconstitutional. Uh, they kicked us off. So they even kick you off as a part of the rigging, try to kick off third parties. Yeah, they kicked uh, all the minor parties were kicked off in uh, in 2013 mm. because we didn't meet a standard that hadn't been set in 2012. So in 2013, they said, well, unless all of you got 3% of the vote, you're all being thrown off. And we said, well, there was no standard mm. of 3%. How can you throw us off? And the court sided with us, but we weren't allowed to go out and get signatures for our candidates. So by the time we got back on, it was impossible uh, to get on the ballot. And uh, the Green Party is the only one that made it, primarily because we wrote in without any candidates. So the election officials were supposed to tell people that you could write in Anita Rios's name for governor, but uh, and there was this directive, but they simply told people that, uh, no, the Green Party uh, uh, had no ballot status. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we, we were talking also about how they give the wrong info out. Uh, I mean, shouldn't there be a... Well, in, in, in many areas, they're not allowed to even give you any info. So if you asked them questions, yeah. if you said, look, the voting machine is flipping, you know, from Jill Stein to Hillary Clinton, they're not even allowed to answer you. Right. Uh, and then the ones that often answer you, you're right. They give bad information. Here, here's another huge problem there. In a lot of these counties, these private companies not only control the voter database of who is registered to vote, mm. but they also control the e-poll books, uh, these electronic polling books mm. uh, that are on computer. And in some places, in, in the 2015 election uh, in Hamilton County, which is Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, in the precincts, they had to send people home because nobody knew how to download the software. <laughs> Hence, there was <laughs> there was no uh, list of of registered voters. Wow, they're not even trying to to make this seem like a professional election. I mean, it's just it's from every angle that they can they try to rig it. Yeah, and and here's the other thing about fifteen percent of urban voters, poor, Hispanic, minorities, blacks, show up, and their name's just randomly gone, mm. even though they have proof that they registered the vote. Mm. And they, they call this a computer glitch. In 2004, they purged, deregistered uh, a quarter of every voter in Cleveland. The only reason Bush won the presidency is because they eliminated a quarter of the vote mm. in the second largest city in Ohio. I mean, people showed up. And, and Ohio is a swing state, isn't it? Yeah, absolute swing state. Mm. You know, the uh, one of the tightest. 
Uh, Bush won by 118,000 votes, you know, mm. out of like 6 million votes cast. And in Cleveland, you know, which has half a million people, and in the area, the county itself, which has more than, you know, a million people, uh, a quarter of the voters were missing from the rolls. Wow. All of our files are free and will remain free. If you like the show, you can show support by donating $1 to help with expenses. Just use the PayPal link on our website, YouTube channel, or Facebook page. Thanks. So it seems to me then that all this hassle and uh, elaborate manipulations that we've been talking about so far, we haven't mentioned the machines yet, but all this other hassle seems to be, actually seems to be that they first rig the basics with the gerrymandering and uh, different stuff in the primaries. And then they have uh, all these other schemes for manipulating the names of the voters and, and controlling, yes. because I guess they they still need to legitimize, even if they purge lots of votes, they need to make them count for their people somehow, but then enter the machines. The machines, the, the digital manipulation is actually heaven sent for them because it's a lot of hassle to do all, all the stuff we've been discussing and it's, it has a trace, it can be discovered, obviously it has been since we are even discussing it. But with election machines, you don't have to worry about any of that. All you have to do is manipulate the last chain of the whole process, namely the numbers themselves. As long as you've got polls and exit polls on your side, yeah. uh, that seems to me to be the optimal way of doing it. So when you have a, many different types of election machines. And, and I know there's a lot of research and I've even seen court cases over there where they've proven how easy it is to hack some of these machines. They've shown ownership of the machines that people who have a personal interest in election own some machines, etc. So let's just get to that now. Uh -huh. So what is the situation as we know it? Is the machine introduced in order to not have to do all this elaborate stuff? Well, the uh, interesting stuff about the machines, I've, I've written about them extensively uh, in uh, scholarly as well as in, you know, mass journalism and on the alternative side. Yeah. The, uh, they were concerned very early on by 1964 with mainframes uh, that were used for central tabulation for up to a third of the votes in the U.S. Of these early mainframes. So we've been, uh, and there were papers written, scholarly uh, uh, papers written by uh, Saltman, a man named uh, uh, Saltman was his last name. He worked for the Bureau of Standards. So there's been these repeated notions that you shouldn't be using, uh, you know, these concentrated computers for uh, central tabulation. Uh, but then uh, it it branched off even further. Uh, in 1988, we saw the uh, first use of the computer voting machine in a polling place. Uh, and that occurred 
uh, in the 1988 primary in New Hampshire, hmm. where they moved the uh, machines into the precincts. John Sununu, who later became chief of staff, who had worked for computer companies, and the machine they used was a Danaher. But it, its previous name had been uh, a Shooptronic. But Ransom Shoop had twice been convicted of election manipulation in Philadelphia. He invented the machine. So uh, a convicted criminal election rigger was the one who came up with these devices. Jeez. And they changed the name from uh, Shooptronics to Danaher's. But the interesting thing is they had no paper trail. And in the first election they were using, Bob Dole was predicted in the polls to win by 9%. Instead, he lost by 8%. So there was a last-second 17-point shift. Right. Now, the interesting thing is George W. Bush had been the CIA director as well. Yeah. And it later came out that the CIA had been uh, admitted in the 1970s before the church committee of rigging uh, approximately 5,000 elections worldwide, including local elections in places like Italy uh, and around the world. Mm. So it's uh, uh, so now you've got this guy. They used to call them, quote, benign operations, right? Friendly operations because they weren't bloody coups. Right. So soft coups. So and uh, a lot of this software, Ethan Gibbs, who died tragically uh, after I wrote a cover story on him and wrote a, an article in Mother Jones, uh, he was saying, why would you create voting machines with no paper or audit trail? Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and he pointed out that the Eurosevage brothers had originally gotten their money from far-right sources uh, in companies that had been associated with the CIA. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, uh, he died a week after, uh, you know, he was the key source uh, in revealing that, and he had his own vote company called True Vote, where he was trying, of course, to uh, uh, to make these things accountable to use open source. Right? I mean, the problem with the machines, you start with the fact that uh, it's secret software, mm. and there it's computer software, and you can program computer software to do whatever uh, you want. Mm. And I'm sure when you talk to Bev, she'll tell you about, you know, the fraction magic. I mean, uh, the GEM software, uh, the general election management system pioneered by Diebold really was based on counting stock at corporate board meetings and, uh, and stockholder meetings and actually counts in fractions of people instead of whole people. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so... These uh, machines, we've seen uh, there's been hearing and even court cases where uh, they've had people, they have people uh, coming forward and admitting that they even have hacked the machines. <laughs> so we know they're hackable. Yeah. And then there's also been proven that uh, partisan ownership of the machines. But one thing is what CIA did in the beginning, but how is the condition today? It's still private companies. Oh. Absolutely. Private companies. Yeah. And many of them, you know, have these very odd provenances. Like one of the ones we followed uh, was CIDL, which was counted the overseas vote and the military vote and it had direct 
tie-in access to 36 state central tabulators, which means they controlled the vote when they were downloading their vote. Mm. They could easily uh, have hacked. Uh, They were from Barcelona, Spain. Mm. And then they said, well, don't worry, we're going to our U.S. headquarters uh, is going to uh, be in charge of this. And we sent people to their headquarters. It was a private residence in in Virginia. (laughs) Was there supposed to? (laughs) It's surreal. I mean, they don't don't try hard. No, it's very sloppy. (laughs) Then they bought up uh, this company, SOA, out of Tampa. Uh But if you look at what the company does, it will do the following for you. It will control your voter database for registered voters. Mm. It will program your e-poll books where on election day you pull up uh, the voters who often one in 10, one in 15 in the urban areas find their name is no longer on the list. Mm. Then they'll help you tabulate the voters. They'll do your central tabulation. Hmm. And they'll do your election night reporting and they'll do your social media to explain to everyone why these votes are actually correct. Hmm. It's one stop shopping. Yeah, indeed it is. Uh, I really want to dig deeper into the election machines, but we don't have time this time. Um, We have to move on. But just to those who who are skeptical, all these examples of the rigging that we talked about. This isn't, you know, the derogatory term conspiracy theory that's actually proven now was coined by the CIA back in the 60s to smack down any debate about the JFK assassination. That word is thrown. Absolutely. Yeah, that word is very liberally thrown around. But let's let's go to, you know, the backup we have here, because isn't it true that we do have official hearings? We have court cases and even studies you mentioned a university study earlier. So we, we know already th- this isn't theory. This is actually verified. Uh, un- university, uh, at the who's who of the elite institutions, mm. Stanford, University of Michigan, okay. you know, which hacked it and played the uh, Wolverine fight song from the football team. Princeton, uh, Clint Curtis, who testified under oath before Congress that he wrote a program, uh, the flip votes when he was working for uh, Representative uh, Feeney, uh, a Republican out, out of Florida. So there's no doubt that you can, I mean, it isn't whether you can hack these, it's the different ways. Yeah, right. Are you doing it with an Easter egg that only shows up on election day? Or are you doing it with an algorithm uh, that is preset? Are you doing it with malware on these thumb drives and the flash drives? which we found in Miami, Ohio, where after counting the votes, when you went to put them in the central tabulator on the flash drive, the flash drive uh, added 2,500 votes for Bush. Mm. Uh, And you were able to prove it. I mean, it didn't exist on the ballot. Right. So there's numerous ways. uh, Hard inner civic, which was bought up by... uh, former Bain Company executives uh, who worked for Mitt Romney and was invested in by the uh, Romney's son, uh, Tag Romney, there was 12 points of vulnerability 
in the computer system, Heart Inner Civic failed all 12. Mm. That is, if you corrupted a single district with a flash drive or thumb drive, it corrupted every single vote. They were all interconnected, and you could rewrite the audit logs wow. to show that the vote was correct. Right. Um, would you say that, um, well, what would you say is the most, uh, well, if you should mention a couple of uh, studies about this, do you have any references for us? Oh, I, I think in the primary campaign, if you look at the election justice study, mm -hmm. that uh, indicates uh, the various ways uh, that they manipulated the, the primary. Mm. So uh, go to uh, the election justice a website, and they've got an incredible report from this year. The If you want... Sorry, just to interject here. I remember I was watching... This was pretty early in the primary. I think I was watching a show on RT called Redaction Tonight. And... Oh. Yeah, and they they talked very early, actually, about studies showing the, that uh, just from analyzing, they, they didn't even have to go into how it's been rigged in, in details. We have plenty of ways. But just from the numbers, they proved that Bernie was uh, cheated in the primaries, I saw. Do you know what study I'm... Yeah, and then... Uh... You're right, and all of that was confirmed. So, yeah, yeah Redacted Tonight, uh, I've been on that show. Uh, they've run video of, of myself and Cliff Arnebeck, mm. another attorney, talking. I've been live on that show. So, yeah, Redacted Tonight with Lee Camp on RT is really one of the best sources in the country. Uh, the work of Richard Charnin on his blog, uh, who really has two master's degree in advanced math, and worked on Wall Street, you know, mm. making money for uh, for the wealthy investors, uh, has done tremendous, tremendous work on his blog, Richard Charnin, uh, Richard Charnin blog. Uh, the Rolling Stone magazine, Bobby Kennedy, Robert Kennedy Jr., uh, did a great article on the 2004 election. Mm. There's a new book out uh, that I wrote with Harvey Wasserman, called The Strip and Flip Selection mm. uh, of 2016. But the book, it's only about 100 pages, but it's page after page of proven, documented, on-the-record vote manipulation with the machines mm. I, I, from court cases. Yeah, go on. Uh, so it's based on actual uh, facts you can look up in the public record and testimony in court cases. Mm. Uh, we had one here in uh, in Columbus in 2006 where the judge admitted uh, that the machines were totally non-verifiable but could not rule for the woman challenging because he said nobody knows who wins these elections. Mm. Exactly. So we might as well go with the official certified <laughs> candidate because <laughs> might as well. they're, they're non-verifiable. They're not transparent. No, so let's reward them by following them. Now, I, I see from your, because we have a presentation page of all our guests, so we're going to give up your full bibliography. We don't have time to go through all your books, but I noticed one was sounding interesting, Corporate Vote Theft and the Future of American Democracy. <laughs> uh, but but uh, the, your latest book on this subject, is that the one you just mentioned? Yeah, and it's really a relentless 
summary. So when somebody says it's conspiracy theory, mm. uh, you can hit them with a hundred pages of direct facts taken from the public record. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you have, like I said, hearings, you have court cases, you have official studies. I, I just read an article of the investigative reporter Robert Perry, the guy who broke many of the Iran-Contra stories. Oh, yeah. I consider Robert Perry the single best investigative reporter uh, on the planet. Yeah, that's excellent. He, he, I just read his modern history of rigged U.S. elections. So this is going back. This is going back. And later we're going to try to cover the history of the election rigging. But uh, we're talking about uh, here and now. And, uh, oh, yeah, one more thing about the rigging. I'd say that you could also put in Citizens United as a part of the rigging, as a part of the official rigging, how they bribe. Because despite all this dirty way of doing it, They've even rigged the system itself by giving voice to corporations and the oligarchs. And there was even a study that shows, <laughs> that proves that America is an oligarchy, that votes doesn't count, or, or people's opinions even when it comes to policy, but that the corporate agenda is systematically what wins policy. And that's obviously through uh, legalized bribing, uh, lobbying, all this stuff. And and now you don't even know who's bribing. No. At least in the old days uh, of the Gilded Age in the 1880s, uh, the robber barons, at least you had to report who was buying who. Now it's all secret. And this absurd notion that uh, there's these uh, corporations that have the same constitutional rights as flesh and blood people. They are the, oh, yeah. Insane. Uh, yeah, it's. You know, I, I think it makes, I mean, as, as a uh, political scientist, my PhD in political science, and I've written a book on political theory, but I, I think uh, Citizens United made us officially fascist. Yeah. Uh, it, it, when the corporations got those rights, just like in Mussolini's Italy, when Fiat got its seat in Parliament, mm. I, I think you've crossed the Rubicon uh, <laughs> at that point. Yeah, the, the Rubicon has been crossed long ago, several times, I'd say. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you have any numbers to rely on, but from your intuition, from, from what you observed, what do you think was the real numbers of support to Bernie versus Clinton? You know, I think he started off, uh, uh, I think he probably ended up getting about 55% of the vote nationally okay. uh, if they were fairly counted. Okay. You know, and I, I think clearly he had uh, enough delegates to win despite the cheating. Uh, but, you know, they, they stole in so many ways. I mean, even in the caucuses where he did better, uh, you know, you get these reports where, the Sanders people are, are all new caucus uh, voters. So they come in and everyone's kind of counted and they're told they can leave. And then they lock them out and fill out the paperwork mm. right? Or, or they don't tell them that they have to file their paperwork. So even in the places where Bernie did very well, uh, but uh, you know, they were still cheating. Uh, and there's 12 of those, there's 12 of those areas that, I mean, they just flat out stole the vote, right? They hacked it mm. uh, outright. And, uh, you know, Arizona being the worst, but California, New York, uh, Massachusetts, uh, you know, they stole 10% of his vote in Ohio. Mm. 
I guess it's the swing states uh, or swing counties that we should watch the closest, right? That's what they wouldn't bother. Or... In the uh, in the general election, yeah. uh, it, it's in this uh, November, you know, a week from now, mm. it's going to be the swing states, the, the 12 or so battleground states. But in the primary, uh, I mean, when it, when it came to uh, Sanders, I mean, uh, they stole wherever they could. Mm. Uh, and the DNC, we know from WikiLeaks, was complicit. Yeah. But um, uh, there was also this long history of those being cheated. Even if they are aware of it, they do nothing. They, uh, they accept it. They don't uh, contest it in court. Usually it's uh, people like you, citizens, lawyers, scholars, that has to do this. Yeah. Uh, and they don't even talk about it. It's like they're in on it. It's like it's a part of what they accept in advance. Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, rigging is a part of it. We'll try to rig as much as we can in our favor. But if we lose because of or despite the rigging, then a part of the deal is that we'll shut up because, oh, these poor, fragile sheeps, they can't know what's going on. So what's your view on that? Oh, well, clearly the mainstream for-profit corporate media, remember about six of these entities control about 80% of the infotainment yeah. uh, on planet Earth. I mean, they're just massive, massive uh, conglomerates. Time Warner, Turner, AOL, EMI, Showtime, mm. HBO, et cetera, et cetera, is all one company that may be merging with the telecom, AT&T. So, I mean, they are the oligarchs' companies, mm. and you would expect that they will do whatever they can to uh, create a false legitimacy to the system. The CIA used to have a term called demonstration democracies, where they would encourage demonstrations uh, in the third world even though they knew they were rigged as they were in you know, the major Afghanistani elections, mm. but you did it to create a false legitimacy or perception uh, of democracy. Mm. Uh, that's what these uh, large entities uh, are doing. And there's also a barrier, and many on the progressive left won't even cross it, mm. where it's okay to say they're stripping votes, but to say there's private partisan for-profit companies secretly counting the votes mm. with proprietary software protected by the courts where you can't even look into the software, they won't go there. Mm. They simply refuse to hear that. So, so they become a part of the rigging then, actually. Oh, they're, they're the apologists, right? They're, they're the ones trying to convince you that nothing's wrong with the system. Mm. Or that it's just hiccups, coincidences, isolated cases. Oh, glitches. You yeah. know, mm. so 25% of the people are knocked off the roll and they'll call it a computer glitch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the voters are the real computer glitch in their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in 2015, three counties in Ohio, there was a vote on legalizing marijuana Three counties in Ohio, the vote flipped, right. and they said it's human error. But, yeah. you know, I mean, people aren't putting this stuff in directly. It's being tabulated by computers on uh, flash drives and 
thumb drive. And already they have allowed the alcohol companies and the private prison companies who would uh, have much to lose from legalizing. They allow them to have propaganda Absolutely. Uh, in, in, in before the election where they spew out uh, incorrect information for their own interest. And, and that's a part of the rigging too. If it happened in a country, it would be an outcry. So it's so rigged from cradle to, to grave, this system. That is amazing. But w- one last thing about this, and we'll then quickly discuss your prosecutor thing, and then you can go. I know you have a meeting, okay. but very quick here. I don't think Donald Trump and his movement will accept the results. Uh, they are bound to get reports about rigging. But I, I think one of the reasons the establishment hates this Molotov cocktail that is Trump is precisely because he's so narcissistic that he won't stand for being screwed like this, I think. What do you think? Uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, uh, the Trump people asked me for my Vita uh, and uh, and wanted to converse with me cool. uh, in terms of my book, my scholarly uh, work, which I found uh, very interesting. They'd be reaching out to you know uh, a uh, well-known green. Oh no, we have to make alliances. Yeah, I think it's very important with alliances across the left and the right here, because yeah. at the end of the day, I think the real dichotomy isn't that much left and right as it is authoritarians or centralists versus freedom and autonomy. And you have people who want freedom and autonomy on all sides of the political scale. It's just that in every party, and especially in the Democrats and Republicans, you have the establishment people really being the two coins of the same, uh, two sides of the same coin, neolibs, neocons, right? You agree? Uh, Absolutely. You know, that's why I would never vote for Hillary Clinton. I see her uh, as a neocon and the massive expansion of U.S. troops in war abroad under Barack Obama is shameful. It's terrible. We'll bash you later. But uh, last question, you're running, actually running for prosecutor, I think we need to hear about that. What's going on here? Well, yeah, in Franklin County, I'm running. Part of my platform is that if I find any vote tampering or purging of records, as the county prosecutor, the Secretary of State from Ohio, his office is in Franklin County. Hmm. So it gives me the power to investigate him and prosecute him if I'm elected. And it also gives me a tremendous opportunity as a green candidate uh, to say, I'll prosecute the police as well. And uh, I've uh, on my signs and on my buttons uh, is the phrase black lives matter. And also- Yeah, so you'll take on anyone. You'll follow, follow the law rigorously here. Yeah, which, which means the frack, the people fracking upriver that are poisoning us downriver, uh, I would go after. The Secretary of State, who's manipulating the vote, needs to be prosecuted and indicted. Uh, And I'm saying these things publicly to try and reshape the debate. Okay, full kudos to you. You're very brave because I know it's very risky to to challenge the system in such a thorough way that you guys do. But let me ask this. When is the election? Eight days. uh, Next a week from Tuesday. Oh, so it's the same day as the as the presidential election? Yeah. 
Okay, so so you only have eight days to win. Uh, I hope we get this show out in time. But uh, if anyone is li- listening in Ohio, and especially if they are in your precinct, get your butt out and vote. Franklin County. In your county, get your butt, yeah, I'm in- butt out and vote. We, and I'm, I'm even encouraging people who wouldn't support the, the Greens uh, traditionally because it's so impo- it's more important that you save your system than that you get someone you perceive to have your opinions because it doesn't matter who you get in as long as they are controlled. So people will know, even Trump supporters, everyone will know if they vote you in, you will rigorously uh, go after anyone who does this shenanigans, Democrats or Republicans. Absolutely. I'll make sure that uh, Mr. Trump gets a fair count. Mm, mm. Well, uh, I'm crossing my fingers for you, Bob, but um, uh, I don't know how busy you will be after the election, but I hope we can get you back at some point after the election and discuss what actually happened. Sure, I'd love to do that. That would be great. Yeah, I'd love to do it. And we'll have a little more time to talk then, I think, and we can go more in depth in in some of these uh, aspects. Yeah. Anything you want to plug? Do you have a website people can go to? How can they find out about you? Yeah, freepress.org. Uh, and also, they can go to Fitrakis for prosecutor, F I T R A K I S, Fitrakis for prosecutor. <laughs> Particularly, go to my Facebook, Fitrakis for. Yeah, you got a Greek name there, right? Yes. Yes, so we'll understand if people have trouble getting the name. But don't worry, we'll put up links for, for Bob under, under this video when it's out and also at our website, at our presentation page. you find the links to, to all his stuff. You'll find his bibliography and everything. And uh, also freepress.org. Yeah. So I guess you have to go now, right? Yeah, I got a one thirty meeting here. but Okay, that's like a couple of minutes from now. So uh, we'll try to get this show out in time. It's been a short one today, but it's very important information. People, But uh, what do you say to people who say, oh, I, I won't vote then? There's no point. It's all rigged anyway. Well, there's a variety of ways to do democracy from the street to voting. But unless you go go out and vote and register your opposition, yeah. and when you vote for candidates, be they libertarians or greens, uh, the establishment will get the message. Yeah. So it, you can't concede the system to them. In fact, no. I would say to go beyond voting. Uh, run for office, mm. uh, demonstrate, uh, go to these public meetings. We shut down the city uh, council meeting uh, over uh, the police shooting a 13-year-old kid, Tyree King, in the back. So uh, it, voting is part of a large process mm. and find other people and run them, even within the Democratic Party like Sanders. You know, vote Green, vote Libertarian. Get active. And, and I guess just a few votes will decide, especially at such things as prosecutors. You told us uh, like 9%. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, finally, just uh, tell us, are there any court cases that may actually end up winning that's going on today? Uh, I have one, which is uh, I sued Edison Media Group. Uh, we're waiting for the decision from the judge to see if they'll give us discovery uh, we charged that they were in collusion uh, with the government by adjusting their numbers to match and mirror absurd results. Wow. So I think we have a chance in that one. Also, I'm, I should be suing within the next uh, few days uh, to make them turn on all the audit logs on the scanning machines and the ballot imaging uh, 
on the machines. They actually turn off the audit logs wow. and the ballot images, which are essential to auditing the scanned ballots. Jeez. Well, good thing there's still a few honest Americans around like you with the guts and wits to take on these bastards. <laughs> well, I can't. Okay, we made it to the minute. I'll let you run now, but we agree upon a follow-up then. Yes, that's fine. Great. Right. Talk to you soon then. All right. Ciao. 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 You've been listening to a Forum Borealis interview with Dr. Robert Fitrakis as part of our new series where we're taking a system-critical look at democracy and elections. Thanks to those of you who have chosen to donate, we are free to focus upon matters ignored by the mainstream media. So your support is what permits us to make independent programming, exploring freely and curiously hidden domains, rather than push some agenda like most of the propaganda press. And that's uh, how it should be. Of the people, for the people, by the people. Of course, uh, everybody can't like everything. So it's only natural with a niche for different segments of the population. And by the way, most of you who have donated have not yet signed up at our website, but you can, even if you only donated a dollar once, you can. Right now, I think there's eight unpublished programs lying there waiting for you. In addition to a lot of other stuff, like uh, we do some forum talks behind the scenes within our website too. Uh, But if you do apply for admission, I recommend you send us a brief mail. Just say, hey, I donated and I've applied, pending approval. Then uh, your admission will be in a matter of days, if even that. If you don't do that, it may take months. Just a friendly advice. Now, this has been a somewhat short program, so my end commentary is more like a third act today. But at least the briefing we got served to introduce us to the main rigging methods that's practiced today, in particular in America. But like Bob said, these things have already been tried and tested in third world countries, where CIA has caused long-time havoc with various covert black operations. And who knows how many other countries in the world are subverting their democracies with a fake corporate imitation. We will uh, soon enough have more programs in these matters, conversing with different experts going deeper into the Pandora's box that is election fraud. Speaking of elections, I will now share a few observations for our American friends to consider, but no matter to what extent we concur, I urge you all to be vigilant in the coming elections. There will guaranteed be election fraud maybe record levels, but the more attentive and informed the people are, the harder it is for them to implement and get away with it. This should be a bipartisan concern and nothing to be scoffed of or dismissed at hand. The denial is what enables such massive criminal fraud. So not only vote, but be engaged, film and photo with your smartphone, 
volunteer to become an election worker, document everything and spread your experience online. We can deduce from what Bob told us today that they easily shifted 10% of the Bernie votes in the primary. So who knows how much more they can flip in the main election when there's no caucuses and more machines. And of course, this brings us over to the Stalin quote. You, you saw that coming, didn't you? It is enough that the people know there was an election. The people who cast the vote decide nothing. The people who count the vote decide everything. Such a simple notion to comprehend, yet completely ignored by the American system. Most of you listening now will already know who won the next presidential election. Won or awarded, it depends. So if you are a Trump supporter, or if you are anyone, actually, who wants to prevent the fraud and the rigging of the election, because Trump is very right. He, he's more right than... I, I don't think he knows how right he is. He's probably underestimating it. So, But even if you should be identifying as not green, which is what Vitrakis is representing here, still go and vote for him as prosecutor. You're not voting for him as president. He's not going to decide your taxes. But he is going to take on the bastards, the corporate virus in the system. And he's going to ensure that if the ideas you identify with, if you really believe in them and think they can prosper in a free society where people can consider stuff openly and then back it with a choice, with a vote, then you have no choice but to support people like Fitrakis. So this is what you have to consider, people. It's much more important than just the president. So if you li live in Ohio, vote for him. And please alert anyone who you know lives in his precinct, because a landslide is the only vaccine we have if it's thoroughly corrupt. So alert people, back Bob and go to his website. You'll find everything there. And his books, the latest is called The Strip and Flip Selection of 2016, Five Jim Crow's and Electronic Election Theft. And we will publish his bibliography, many interesting books, not just about election fraud, but you'll see. I mean, he's been an investigative journalist for years, so a lot of system critical stuff too. So um, whatever you do, at least vote in, Bob. And it's the election of a lifetime, probably. And uh, another day will come, whoever you choose. And a better day will come if you start choosing what you actually believe in and support a candidate who actually represents that, or a party actually represents that. The president isn't the only factor for change. Uh, most of the stuff you can do is to take back your democracy is like Bob talked about. Run for office yourself. Engage yourself. Inform people. Vote in matters that matter more. Let's say Bob here was voted into in as a prosecutor. That would actually make probably more change than a mainstream president, which means people who work for bribes, people who work for lobbyists, for big corporations... Because we live in a corporacy, people. It's the corporations who run this show, okay? And that's why we need people like Bob Fitrakis, because he would actually take on whoever is corrupt. And so if you live in Ohio, I implore you, 
more important than the presidential election. Vote for him. He'll actually reform the system. That's what he's been working for for a lifetime. He's not alone, of course. But the proof is in the pudding. That's why people loved Ron Paul when he came along and Bernie Sanders. Because no matter what value or ideas you support, you don't even have to like what they represent politically. Everybody realize when you look at them that they are what they are. And that's why they're popular. They're real. They're not false. They're not puppets. Because, you know, the real dichotomy is not left and right. The real dichotomy is authoritarianism, bureaucracy, centralism on one side, freedom or liberty, autonomy on the other. And so all the authoritarians have to do to crush the latter is to be represented in both parties. And so, oh yeah, we we present ourselves with one color, the other with another. I'm not saying it's a deliberate conspiracy in that everybody in the Republican and the Democratic Party is in on it. Most of them are tools and fools. Many are true believers. But when you come to the high echelons like the Clintons and the Bushes, of course, they frequent the same circles. Their children are hanging with each other. They work for the same masters. They are corporates. And so you have to be able to realize that on the other side, whether it's left or right, the hated side, there are people who are more, have more in common with you, who actually share your interests, who you actually should make coalitions with. And uh, that's the way to take down the two towers. Not talking about the Twin Towers, obviously, I'm referring to Lord of the Rings here. (laughs) So if you want to take down Saruman and Sauron, you have to realize that it's rotten on both sides, okay? But, oh no, they don't see that. They only see this left-right dichotomy. If you examine the policies, you'll see that there's more in common than divides. At least at the essential important stuff, okay? You may have your favorite economical positions, uh, more taxes, less taxes. You may have your favorite social positions, yes to abortion, no to abortion. It doesn't matter. These are all distractions, basically. They work as distractions, even if they're not intended like that. Because if you don't have the ability to elect someone, it doesn't matter. If you don't have the ability to prosper, it doesn't matter. If you don't have the ability to avoid war, It doesn't matter if you don't have the ability to survive due to poor health or poverty while while jobs are dissolving, the middle class is dismantled in front of your eyes. The 0.1% just increases and increases and increases the power grab. Corporations are people and people are no longer people. People are prisoners. The state and the corporations, basically the fascism is everything. What the deuce does it matter, these small issues that you are distracted by? That's why many of the real people on both sides of the aisle has actually cooperated for a long time. You'll find, um, you'll find independents, leftists and rightists who are all on the autonomy freedom pole cooperate. Even in the Senate, in the Congress, as they've done for a long time, but they're not many. So you have to look beyond people and persons. You even have to look beyond parties and uh, sides. You have really have to look at the essence of what it's about. So if you can recognize the corporatists, wherever they are and whatever masks they take, it will be much easier. And, and now that the mainstream media is dying and uh, natural media is taking over, 
it will be easier to identify who's of of the people who has the people's best interest in mind and who is really just a shell of this false left-right dichotomy, right? It's just two legs of the same body, left-right, left-right, marching into the abyss. And that is maybe the ultimate rigging of the system, the two-party system, because people run from left to right and then they run from right to left every four years. There's a new election and with the illusion of a choice. And, you know, the lesser of two evils will just mean a downward spiral towards more and more evil. And voting is about standing for something. If you vote a less evil, then you're really saying, OK, I'm voting for something evil and believing it will be better. It won't. It won't. Oh, I'm voting for something evil, believing I'm avoiding the worse evil. Evil begets evil, and around the next corner comes the even worse evil, because you have already chosen the path of so-called evil. If you start voting for something, you'll vote for something good. That's the only way this can change. Now, granted, the system don't have much room for alternatives. That's not representative democracy, and of course, the republicrats are in cahoots owning the system. But still go out and vote because a vote has a symbol effect. Uh, It's very hard to rig an election if there's a landslide because the clearer the majority, the harder it is to hide it, hide the obvious. When there's just a margin of error, when there's just percentage, it's so easy. That's what they've been doing. Both sides, both Democrats and Republicans, manipulating it to their own side. But uh, this time... It's a very interesting election because they're so detested. 60% of the people who supports Clinton are not actually supporting her, but they are voting against Trump. 60% of those who vote Trump are not actually voting for him, but are voting against Clinton. But both of those sides can't see. They are getting more and more invested in their choice of the dichotomy. And... So they become more and more vested in their side. And and it's a normal psychological trait. They start to see only the good in their own. They start to idealize. Whereas they demonize the other one more and more. And both sides do this. And so Trump and Clinton is really just a product in a way. A projection of the collective split. That's not just haunting America. But which is crystallized very clear there. So I'm saying to you who are considering voting one of them that if you are only if you are one of those 60%, well, in both cases, remember that if you joined forces and backed someone else, then uh, you would be the majority. 60% in each camp. And not only that, Clinton and Trump is about 40% each at the polls polls that we can't trust anyway so they probably lower but let's say let's say 40 percent each now considering that half doesn't vote like we learn in the program that means that they have not support of 40 percent of the entire population each they have about 20 percent each what about the two other candidates major candidates as many I mean, depending on where you live, you can choose from a wide variety. And before you said, oh, no, but then I'm not choosing a president. Look, you really think that matters? It's just a symbolic figurehead. There's a million other things that matters for the democracy and the system. 
than who's perceived to be in charge. Really, if Obama quietly died in his sleep tonight and it wasn't announced for a week, do you think the, the country would break? They wouldn't even notice. It's much more important that you start growing the smaller parties that actually stand for something and is not corrupted and, and tries to get in. Let's uh, nevertheless consider the two others, Stein and Johnson, which are two of many others, but who are ballots in all states. Now, they are being said to be around 8 and 4%, or even less. But like I said in the show, these polls are, are documented to be manipulated now they they claim maybe incompetence or accident or what what have you but basically what they do is that they do not pull a representative selection of the voters which is the point instead they pull systematically democrats and republicans more than anyone else so they downplay they only pull half as many independents as they really are is the biggest group actually bigger than Republicans and Democrats. So it really hurts Stein and Johnson's numbers because most independents will vote Stein and Johnson and, by the way, Trump. Because there is an X factor for Trump here because he is drawing the independent, although he's driving many Republicans away, especially the neocons who run to their partners, the neolibs who has taken over the Democratic Party after ousting the Sanders faction, and and by that proving that they are the two sides of the same coin. And they, that's quite funny, that for the first time it's so obvious and clear for everyone to see that, let's say, a Bush and a Clinton is actually on board the same ship. And, and to you Clinton supporters, you probably hated Bush back in the day. Really? You're voting for someone who's in bed with Bush, who Bush supports? Like I'm trying to tell you, you are stuck in a false paradigm. The false dichotomy is created to control you. So you two groups hate each other, fight just the way they want it. But if you really take a step back and look at your candidate with no excuses, imagine the other candidate is dead or arrested <laughs> or withdrawn or replaced, whatever. How would your candidate then look? No, I know it's too late. You probably have to see your candidate in power for four years or eight years even before you grow tired. You had eight years of Bill Clinton. You had eight years of George Bush. If you take a look at the history, rarely has a state leader had a matter. So it is It is interesting to see how the polarization is so crystallized in today's atmosphere. But... Trump has many diehard supporters. Clinton doesn't. And the reason, of course, it's obvious. Uh, Trump represents a genuine opposition. The problem is he's an X-factor, an opposition. Uh, what is the opposition? <clears throat> On some areas, will he be worse? Will he be better? We don't know. But I'll take the unknown anytime for the known guaranteed destruction. Fortunately, I don't have to choose. I'm not voting in America. But if I did, I would vote third party. Because, okay, if, if Trump did everything he said, well, some of the stuff he said is terrible, like he's going to smack down on the free internet. But let's say he, those of you who believe that, oh, yeah, he's been mentioning many system critical things. Oh, he'll, he'll, he'll revise 9-11. He'll do this, he'll do that. 
He would get a bullet if he really went into the shady areas of the intelligence agencies, the military industry, the oligarchs business. But even if he did, he alone couldn't do that much. And he's backed by a party that's still controlled, not by Trumpeters, but by regular Republicans. So they may actually surprise. I mean, when when the election day comes, imagine a regular voter standing in the booth. There they are. And it's, it's serious. Now you're going to make your choice. Many people will have problems picking a ballot with Trump or Clinton's name on it. Precisely because they can't back them, they can't stand them. For many, they can't even pick both. And it's easy to see how some will just say, screw it, I'm taking someone else. I can't, I can't really pick this psychopath for a president. And so when you consider that Stein and Johnson's real numbers is probably closer to 20% than 10%, they will also get a boost by that fact. Now, it's true. Trump may win this, but it's not the end of the world for those of you who are afraid of him. It's just four years. You have to be able to see past four years. He will be kicked out of office and someone else will take over. Hopefully a third party candidate, someone smarter and more likable. And to you Clinton voters, consider also this. If Clinton wins, you are guaranteed eight years of more neocon politics, neoliberal politics. The only difference is the package, is, is the way they sell it. But they're both relying upon scare tactics and divide and conquer. More war for oil, more control, more re- regulations, more suppression, more surveillance, bigger state, less freedoms, the corruption, all that stuff. And they will try to crack down on the internet like they've been pushing and pushing and pushing desperately before. Because ba- basically their fall and, and the fact that they're exposed now is mainly due to the internet as a facilitator, as the medium. So can't have that. People have never been as awake in the meaning seeing through the leaders. Uh, back in the day, they used to worship the leaders. But we've had psychopaths in office before, even more dangerous people than probably both Hillary and Trump. But there may be a landslide for Trump, like I said, because he he draws many new voters or people who hasn't voted for years. Because many people are waking up to the fact that Clinton establishment will um, clean table if they get four more years now, especially now that they're so exposed and, and afraid. So... With Hillary, I'm not saying she will win again in four years if she becomes the president this time. Most likely a neocon will come from the right. The other foot will move. So you'll have eight years of the same politics. This is my analysis for what it's worth. I know many Americans hate it when people from other countries interfere. But hey, we have a right because... Whatever those crazy monsters you choose to be on top of the pile does, you can be sure of one thing. They will meddle and screw up the rest of the world. So yeah, we care. We we don't have a vote, unfortunately. We should have, basically, because it affects us. But we don't have. So at least we need to be able to communicate to you who have that power and that responsibility if you can take back your democracy. So um, whatever you do, don't let the oligarchs take over. And the oligarchs do not control Johnson, Stein or Trump. 
even though Trump is a part of the system, they hate him because he can't be controlled. He can't be... And and that's not because of his integrity. We're not talking about Ron Paul here, folks. It's because of his narcissism. You may say, well, that at the end of the day, it has the same net result. I agree. Only someone with integrity would probably be a better figurehead than someone who totally likes it. So... With that, I end my rant, and uh, for those few of you who will hear this before the election, good luck with with it. And to those of you who are listening after the election, Godspeed. So uh, I guess I'll see you all at the flip side of this very exciting period we're in. Exciting like a horror movie. Your host has been Al, signing off for today. And I'll I'll soon be be back. Taking on another exciting topic. Be seeing you. Who is number one?